Hey everybody, welcome to Just Nas Science Podcast. Each episode, we find ridiculous yet common science misconceptions and get just a little salty about them. I'm Nick, and Lauren right now is on her bachelorette party, which is why you're hearing my voice right now instead of hers. This week, we have a fellow Twitch streamer and friend of mine who is a registered dietitian and a personal trainer. Her name is Amanda Hookham, and you can find her live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 p.m. Central at twitch.tv slash hookhamonhealth. And you'll have the links to her Twitch channel, YouTube, and, and uh, blog posts, all that stuff. It'll be in the links for the episode description and on our website. So be sure to follow her. She's great, super entertaining, and extremely knowledgeable. Speaking of knowledgeable, she's going to talk to us about different food diets and myths, some of the the more common ones that I know a little bit about, but she knows a lot about, and she's going to set the record straight on on a few different things, so I'm very much looking forward to it. All right, Amanda, thank you so much for, for being here with us today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be here. You are a registered dietitian and a personal trainer yes which one came first well that's an interesting question because technically i was studying nutrition to become a dietitian at the time that i became a personal trainer so technically the certification for being a personal trainer came first but the dietitian just takes longer so that's why that one came after oh so you you decided to be a dietitian first Mm -hmm. and then in the process just like i might as well just be a personal trainer Yep, that's how it goes for me. You just might as well. And then I became a group fitness instructor later, so might as well. Oh, so group fitness is different than individual fitness. Yes. Yeah, it's a different format, different uh, style of instruction. And so the certifications are technically different. They're pretty similar overall, but you know, one is focusing on one person and the other is designing actual classes for groups of people. So the dynamic's a little different. Oh, that's, that's interesting because mm-hmm. I teach... I'm sure you know I teach martial arts and I don't yeah. have any certifications for anything. Well, you did the smart thing because you have to pay money every year to do continuing ed for everything. So I'm just giving everyone my money. Why nutrition? Why personal training? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, for the longest time, ironically, I wanted to be a veterinarian growing up. That would never happen. I'm too much of a crybaby when it comes to animals and loss. (laughs) I'm the person who, like, as an adult, cried when I had a goldfish die. So I can't do that. That's not going to happen. Oh, Um, man. Yeah, that would would be a rough, uh, no pun intended, career. (laughs) But I... Please don't laugh at my puns. That's okay. It's fine. But through wanting to become a dietitian or a veterinarian, I wanted to go to the University of Minnesota, uh, Twin Cities, which is near where I grew up. And they have an excellent uh, program for nutrition. Um, And so I kind of was getting close to college time. I was like, I know I want to go to the U of M. I don't know what I want to study. But I had an interest in food. And so I thought, you know, we'd give it a run um, and study nutrition, see what happened. And then I kind of just fell in love with it. I mean, it's a it's a really changing multi-dimensional field, but it's uh, it's pretty great. I love it. And then through that, I was like, well, might as well learn about the uh, the exercise component while I'm at it. And so then personal training and then wanted to do group fitness because I thought it would be fun to add an extra dynamic. And so then, you know, here we are. Well, I could, I could definitely see 
why you would make the connection between personal training and nutrition because and you hear this all the time and, and i guess you can tell us if it's true or not you hear that trope of like 50 percent of the battle or you know a large part of the battle to, to getting in shape and becoming fit is one in the kitchen yeah i think you know i think that a lot of people will look at you know one or the other and when it comes to health in general people have a tendency to zone in on one aspect and I think all of it is a lot more multidimensional than people realize. So for me, I was like, you know, part of being a dietitian and talking to people about, you know, wanting to improve their health involves conversations about movement. And so, you know, I thought, why not have the additional knowledge and education, you know, in physical fitness so that instead of just telling people the generic, like, oh yeah, you know, you might want to get outside, get some movement or whatnot, that I could speak a little bit more in depth on it, um, kind of more like a little bit of a one shop, you know, one stop shop versus having to send people to others. So that's helpful too, of course. Yeah, it absolutely provides a, a service for clients where they can say, okay, hey, help me come up with a nutrition plan. And then also to complement that nutrition plan, what kind of exercises should I be doing? What should my target heart rate be? How many days a week should I be doing it? All that kind of stuff. That's really important to know. And someone like me, I can't tell, like, even though I'm, I'm versed in different exercises and everything, I can't tell somebody what their heart rate should be or how many calories they should be eating or anything. I, like, I, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. You see the standards like for fat burning. You have to, it, People tell you, at least this is based on what I see, an hour uh, of exercise a day with heart rate being about 80% of its max. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that'll like, if that'll kill somebody who, who hasn't worked out seriously in the, before they just aim for something so high, so quickly, especially for a prolonged period of time like that, that might be really discouraging. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see it a lot with, with people and, you know, everyone wants to make a change, especially around like the new year, you know, people get really excited and motivated to, you know, change every aspect of their health. And uh, what we see a, or what I see a lot is, you know, yeah, people will have a goal like, well, I'm going to go to the gym for an hour every day. And previously, if you weren't going at all, an hour every day for the average person is going to be really difficult to maintain for longer than, you know, that first week or two when you're feeling really good about it. Since you brought up the new year and people at that time, they want to get a fresh start. Let's, it, it's, you know, it doesn't obviously have to be at the new year. Let's say it's right now. Someone listening at this moment says, you know what? I want to make some changes. How can someone start to set up goals uh, and, and live a healthier lifestyle? Yeah, that's a, a really great question. And, you know, I always turn people towards smart goals that I think a lot of us learned in school. You know, the idea of having a goal that's specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and then time-based. Um, because I think a lot of times, you know, like I mentioned, people will get really excited, they'll get really gung-ho, and I think that's great. Like, you know, having the motivation to make a change is a huge part of the battle. Um, but I always try to encourage, you know, clients that I work with to think about, you know, what's actually going to fit into your life right now at this time. 
and you know whether it's you know spending five or ten minutes you know going for a walk around the neighborhood like if that's all that somebody feels like is realistic for them to maintain and kind of get the ball rolling you know that's what i encourage people to do i think we get really caught up in what other people are doing and also like what we feel we should be doing and don't you know we don't realize it's baby steps right you're not going to go from zero to 100 you know in a day it's going to take time and so whatever people are able to kind of start with and start chunking away at I mean, even the smallest step is still a step in the right direction. So that's what I try to help people focus on. Do you do you think there might be some concern or do you caution your clients when it comes to maybe they have a lot more time on their hands right now, considering the global climate? Uh, mm. do, you, do you try to base uh, their workouts or their regimens on what it, that life was like before quarantine and lockdowns? Or how, how are you handling that right now? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question too. So it kind of depends on the on the person to be perfectly honest. I think for a lot of people that I've been working with, they have had, you know, more time, you know, maybe they don't have a commute right now because um, they're working from home. And so, you know, if they really want to take advantage of that to start, you know, start working towards these goals and chunking away at them a bit more, I think that's great. Um, but I always work with people on, okay, you know, this is great that we're able to, you know, do this workout, for example, maybe like, you know, three to five days a week, or, you know, they're really crushing it. Um, but we always talk to about, you know, what's it going to be like when things change again, you know, how can we be realistic about maybe we have to cut back a little bit versus trying to, you know, continue to push for that, like five days a week, and then realizing it's not going to happen. And then, you know, completely falling off and going to no days a week. Um, so that's something that I think, we always talk about barriers anytime I work with people, whether, you know, you're sick for a while or you're traveling, you know, how are, how are you going to approach that and not, you know, just throw in the towel and give up when you have some type of setback, you know, how can you scale it back a little bit so that you can kind of rework it and still have it be manageable. I, I do want to circle back to something you mentioned before. You said we feel pressure to do things that we see others doing mm -hmm. and this happens a lot on social media. The number of advertisements I see for things like do this one trick and you'll lose 50 pounds or right. like top cardiologist tells you how to cleanse your bowels. It's like, first off, a cardiologist will not tell you what to do. But anyway, you see those clickbait ads mm -hmm. and there are so many just straight up wrong information or misinformation. And then there's a lot of fad diets or mm -hmm. unhealthy uh, approaches to food and, and, and food management and lifestyle. How can someone identify something that is good for them or something that is beneficial can actually work, uh, you know, a healthy lifestyle versus one of those fad diet clickbait article type things? It's complicated because unfortunately, you know, people now are starting to recognize that fad diets don't really work so much. Um, and so diet companies have started sort of changing their marketing to, you know, kind of fit more in line with what people are looking for, which is the like lifestyle change versus a quick fix. Um, you'll still see some of the quick fixes, obviously, but it's interesting to see how some of the, some of the branding and the messaging has changed as time goes on here. But I, you know, I always think it's important for people to recognize, you know, we're all unique human beings. And so if something is trying to sell you a one size fits all approach, uh, I would 
back away. Um, anything that sounds too good to be true probably is. And you know what works for one person isn't going to work for someone else. And so if there's a program out there that you know has kind of this very cookie cutter you know, recommendations for everybody, um, you know, it's, it's a good sign that they don't actually, you know, have that knowledge or that expertise to really back it up. I mean, I'll tell you, anytime I work with any client, it doesn't matter how similar their, their lives might be. Um, the recommendations that I give are always going to be tailored to them. And we're always going to work on it together collaboratively. Like there's no, you know, one size fits all plan um, that's, that's out there that's actually going to work for everybody. So that advertisement i saw before a youtube video that was like 10 minutes long and it was talking about this afterburn program how like do these three exercises and you'll burn calories for the rest of the day and then you can eat all this food and it's like a, just an enormous buffet of food on a table you're telling oh me that's gosh. fake yes i am telling you that that's fake Holy also though shit. it's it's ironic that they say that you'll burn calories all day after doing these exercises because like we all burn calories all day uh, yes, just by yes. living so <laughs> it's interesting that that's the that's the take that they're going for yeah they're like doing these three special exercises just will, those just those yep. will will <laughs> dramatically increase your metabolism for the rest of the day yeah and i want to make it super clear that metabolism at least in a physiological sense, does not mean how fast you break down food. Like, it's not like you, oh, I have a fast metabolism so I can eat whatever I want and not gain weight. That's not what, that's not what metabolism means. It's the, it gets confused. People think of metabolism as the metabolic rate. So like, there's the two different things, right? The metabolism is what you're speaking about. And then metabolic rate is, you know, how, how, like someone's basal metabolic rate, how many calories, how much energy, right? A calorie is energy. It's how much energy that they're utilizing, you know, basal just kind of hanging out in their body doing its thing. And then of course there's, you know, other metabolic rates for movement and the thermic effect of food, you know, how much, how much calories you burn just by eating and digesting, which is actually a lot. I've heard in the past that celery the reason why it's so good to eat is because it has negative calories. But oh you gosh. just mentioned that the, the what is the thermogenic effect of, of eating food, just eating and digesting burns calories. Yes. So really, every food has some degree of quote unquote negative calories just because eating and digesting takes calories. Right. Yeah. The celery thing is one of my like veins of my existence to hear uh because i'm like why would you okay first of all i'm sorry but like why would you ever want to just eat celery like because they're actually a, a half rabbit half human oh lord like it just sounds miserable to me i'm like okay slap some peanut butter on there and like maybe we'll talk but uh there's no way that you're gonna get me to eat like a whole bunch of celery just because i think it's gonna burn more calories than consuming like it's mostly water at that point just drink water like i, I don't get it so, okay, somebody, they find, you know, maybe they talk to a doctor, maybe they talk to a personal trainer, a dietitian, they, they get some professional assistance in coming up with a healthy lifestyle adjustment to get into better shape or, or whatever, achieve whatever goals they want. Mm -hmm. Eventually they have to buy food. Right. So when we, when we go to the grocery store and we look at a nutrition label, what are some things that we should be looking at and what are some things that maybe we don't need to care about 
Yeah, that's a that's a really great question too. And honestly, I wish there was a simple answer that I could give. That's just like look for these three things, and then you know ignore everything else. But as <laughs> damn with, it, that was gonna be I know right. My, that was gonna be my blog post <laughs> clickbait title. These three things. These three first things. The dietitian. Yeah, but I mean, unfortunately, like everything else, it really depends on the person and what they've got going on. You know, if, if for example, you have like high blood pressure, you know, you're going to have to really pay attention to things like the sodium content in your foods versus somebody who maybe doesn't have high blood pressure. I mean, you know, they might not have to be quite as concerned about it. Uh, and it's it kind of goes for you know, anyone and what you're looking for, um, you know, for health and nutrition, it's going to really depend on, you know, what you want to pay attention to on a label. But I think, you know, in general, you know, I always tell people, you know, things that don't have a label are going to be like the things that we want to focus on, right? Like the fresh fruits and veggies and, you know, whole grains and meat, you know, things that don't have to have a label that lists all of the different you know, vitamins and minerals and whatnot, because it's a whole food. Um, you know, if, if at all possible, I think it's helpful for people to focus primarily on those things. Um, but then, you know, beyond that, it just kind of depends on what your goals are and what you're looking for. Although eat more fiber. I always tell people eat more fiber. You need more fiber. You all do. I swear you do. Almost. You hear that? If, if you're listening to this, you ain't shitting regularly, I guess. You're not. You're probably not. Oh, okay. That's it. You're the expert, not me. I'm just here to make jokes. So, okay. We, we, we have a workout plan, whatever that may be, whatever uh, lifestyle adjustments. And I, I'm trying to be mindful because I know for a lot of people, food and exercise and all kind of stuff can be a trigger. Yes. And I'm, I'm trying to be mindful and not just say something stupid. Right. I'm trying. I, I, I do not want that to be the takeaway from this episode. My, my goal for this episode is to show people, hey, everyone's different, mm -hmm. works for you, may not work for the person sitting next to you, and that it's okay to have a different approach than what you see the extremely ripped person on Instagram or TikTok doing. Well, and I, I think it's important for people to remember too that like, you know, the Instagram models and the guys who are super ripped on Instagram, like most of those people are able to look like that because of their genetics. If all of us in the world ate the exact same way and exercised the exact same way, we would still all look different because body diversity is just a normal part of being a human. Like it sucks, right? I'm not going to lie. It kind of sucks for those of us who are like, what do you mean I'm not going to look like an Instagram model? But I mean, that's just the reality. I mean, people have different genetics. We all have different, you know, body shapes and sizes. And just like you're not going to be, you know, seven feet tall, like no matter what you do, it's kind of similar to looking like an Instagram model. Like you can, you can do as much as you want, but you might not look like that. That's just the fact of life. You know, we like to do myths and misconceptions. And the first one is superfood. Oh my is that, gosh. Is it real? Like are foods, are there superfoods or is it bullshit? Yeah, actually they're flying around with little capes um, and everything. You know, it's great. Oh, they save the world. So they're fucking vigilantes. Yeah, they're little vegetable vigilantes, didn't you know? <laughs> I knew, I knew, 
there was something about Asi. Like it was always tired and I never see it during the day. Exactly. It's because it's like Batman. It's out there, you know, kicking some kicking some criminal butt in the in the evening. No, um, I always joke that every time somebody says the word superfood, like there's dietitians rolling their eyes somewhere. Um, because it's it's like not a real thing. Like it's just a marketing term. You know, at no point where we sat down and were like, these are the superfoods. Like it's just it's just a, a marketing tactic for companies to to, you know, sell more of their particular product. That's not to say that like kale and acai and whatnot are like, you know, not really nutrient dense. Like, yeah, they are like, they're, you know, a great part, great thing to eat if you're, you know, interested in those types of things, but they're not like these magical mythical crime fighting, you know, superfoods. Like that's just not a real thing. The next thing uh, that I see all the time is the dirty dozen. So yeah, so the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15, by comparison, are super popular, especially in this time where people are starting to be, you know, more concerned about, you know, the environment and organics and all of that. Um, and so for anybody who maybe doesn't know, you know, the Dirty Dozen refers to the 12, you know, produce items that have the highest level of pesticide residue on them. So you know, most of them are things that maybe have porous skin or you eat the skin. And so therefore, you know, your potential contact with those pesticides might be higher. But the, the convenient thing that, uh, you know, articles about the dirty dozen leave out is the fact that all of these things are still well below, you know, the safe thresholds of pesticide content, you know, that the EPA established. So, I mean, it's another one of those things like if people feel better buying those things organic like kudos to them i'm not going to be like that's a bad idea but at the same time you know for a lot of us who maybe can't afford as much produce if we buy organic versus not for those things i'm like you don't have to like i don't buy organic strawberries i'm just going to tell you that right now i don't buy them so um you know maybe maybe i'll die earlier i guess we'll, we'll never know but yeah, it's just, it's not, it's not necessary. It's another like fear mongering thing to try to get people to spend money that they don't have to. How do you think, like, I can tell you from personal experience, I worked as an environmental scientist before um, I got into bench research. I was actually, it was kind of at the same time I was in school still, but that's not the point. I was doing soil sampling and water sampling. And we, we did things like test for pesticides and in, in New Jersey and, and pretty much every other state, they have uh, standards for what is considered acceptable as mm -hmm. far as pesticide levels, different metals and uh, other you know chemicals that people are concerned about. They're tested for. We do soil testing, we do water testing. And if there's a problem, if, if the levels are above what it should be, well, then they stop using it until it's clean. Mm -hmm. that's just that's just how it goes right uh, so to be worried about crazy levels of pesticides it's always something that you should be aware of and always wash your produce right. but i don't think there's any reason to say you must buy organic foods otherwise you will meet an early demise i, I right. just don't it's the same thing with gmos people are so afraid of gmos and I don't really get the fear. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough because, you know, I think I do know some people that, you know, they just personally feel more comfortable buying organic. And I think, sure. you know, that's fine. Like if that's what they want to spend their money on, like, I'm not gonna, you know, say boo about it, but it, it does concern me when, you know, we're now kind of moving into a time where people are, 
you know, saying, you know, if it's not organic, if it's not GMO free, you know, it's dangerous somehow. And that's just not true. Um, or you'll see people think that organic means that it's like more new has a higher nutrient quality or whatever. And I'm like, no, like a, a strawberry, whether it's organic or not, it's, it's the same from a nutritional perspective. You know, there's no difference there. So eating, eat produce, like eat more fruits and veggies, organic or not, and wash them. And like that, there you go. Like that's, that's, that would be my recommendation for people. That's the way to do it. I think that is everything I wanted to ask you. Were there any myths or misconceptions that we didn't cover that really just bother you and you want as many people to know as possible? I, I think that there's a never ending list of nutrition myths and misconceptions that bother me. But um, to keep it short and sweet, you know, I think it's important for people to, you know, pay a little bit of attention to where they're getting their information from, you know, a Netflix documentary, I got to be real with you. I've watched some of them and they're trash to put it to put it simply um you know there's a there's a lot of people out there who have their opinions about you know food or movement or health and they're they're motivated by a variety of different things and i think it's important for people to recognize you know that they're they're the, like a personal trainer might know the basics of nutrition but they're not going to know i mean i did the certification i know how much nutrition knowledge the average personal trainer has and it's not very much um, similarly with, you know, other healthcare providers like a doctor or whatnot, you know, they may or may not have extensive nutrition knowledge and, and whatnot. So I think it's important for people to recognize that, you know, you want to try to get your information from a reputable source. You know, I, of course, would, would say a dietitian, but even us, you know, there, we have differences in our field. So if you can get it, get the info from as many people as possible and kind of, you know, compare things, I think that that's always a good way to go. And stay, don't, don't listen to the, the social media, the, you know, Instagram models and whatnot. Like just no, it's <laughs> genetics. I swear. <laughs> Amanda, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk with us today. Let's say somebody's interested in hearing more from you. Where can they find your content? Yeah. So, um, you know, I have my own private practice and business hook em on health LLC, that's Hook'em with a H-O-O-K-O-M. Um, and so I have a website, hook'emonhealth.com, where I share a lot of different, you know, recipes and nutrition-related content, and that has links to all of my social media. So you can find me on lots of different social media platforms. And then, of course, on Twitch as well, we do um, cooking live streams. And if people are, you know, really concerned, they want more information, they want to work with somebody more in depth, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, I take, I do take individual one-on-one -on -one clients. So people are welcome to get more information about that on my website and reach out if they think that they would benefit from, you know, additional support, uh, you know, as they work and move their way on their health journey. And do you take virtual clients? Like, do you do like uh, Zoom calls or does it have to be in person? Yeah, so actually, even before the pandemic, um, I primarily work with people um, either over the phone or, you know, via video chat. So, you know, with the pandemic and all of that, and no matter where you are in the world or the country, um, yeah, we can still find ways to ways to connect. Don't worry, I will have all the links to the website, Twitch channel, all that kind of stuff, social media, it will be on our website and in the episode description. Go check out Hookem's YouTube videos, check out the website and definitely, definitely stop by the Twitch chat and just say hi, or at the very least, just, you know, watch a, a great recipe be made and you'll, you'll learn something in the process. It's always a fun time. And I definitely, definitely recommend it. Amanda, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. And uh, we'll talk soon. 
No, thanks, Nick. It was a pleasure. That's going to do it for us today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and especially share it. It takes literal seconds to hit subscribe and click the five-star review button, and it would mean a whole lot to us. Positive ratings and shares on social media are the biggest ways you can help us spread this good, good science to even more people. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at JustNASScience. And if you want to hear more from Amanda, well, I have the links to all of her social media, blog posts, and website Twitch channel in the episode description and on our website, so be sure to check it out. You can also visit our website, JustNASScience.com, where you can watch YouTube videos, read blog posts, or submit questions and suggest topics for future episodes. And don't forget, we put out new episodes every Tuesday. As always, thanks again for listening. Later, nerds. And I guess on behalf of Lauren, later, Gators.